Starting the 2023 season off on a sour note, the Seahawks suffered a devastating loss to the Rams at home in week one. Will they be able to get revenge in their rematch at SoFi Stadium? We're going to be breaking it all down in our latest crossover Thursday. Locked on Seahawks, locked on Rams, coming up next. You are locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is up, Ramley? What is up, Twelves? Welcome to this crossover edition of Locked On Rams and Locked On Seahawks. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on X and Instagram at dmac underscore LA. I've been covering LA sports for over a decade. The Lakers for Sports Illustrated, the Dodgers for Dodgers Nation, now the Rams for Locked On. And today I'm joined by Mr. Corbin Smith. You can follow him on X at Corbin Smith NFL. Of course, he's a host of Locked On Seahawks. And we've got a jam-packed mega preview, a crossover edition of the Seahawks versus Rams. Rams matchup on Sunday at SoFi Stadium. But first, this episode of Locked on Rams and Locked on Seahawks is brought to you by Prize Picks. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code all lowercase locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. But Corbin, just to get this right out of the way, the Rams season is on the line on Sunday. Right now, they have a 14% chance of making the playoffs. If they lose on Sunday, they are dead in the water. They won't be making the postseason. So a lot is riding on this Sunday for the Rams. Yeah, and there's a lot riding on this game for the Seahawks, too, because they are tied for first place in the NFC West. They've already lost once to the Rams. Losing twice to them would be a huge blow to their chances of winning this division. If they can get this victory and get to 7-3, and three, then they have to like their chances because they control their own destiny. They've got their two games against the 49ers still coming up. They got a game against the Cowboys. They got to play the Eagles. And luckily, that game will be at home. So they've got a gauntlet coming up. This is not a game that they can afford to drop. And we were talking about this on our show on Wednesday that this truly is a must win, in my opinion, for the Seahawks, who, if they lose six and four, they still have a pretty good chance to get into the postseason. But if you want to win this division, if you want to try to get one of the top seeds in the conference, you have got to find a way to get this done. And that's been easier said than done against the Rams, who have always given the Seahawks fits, especially when they've been healthy. They're going to have Matthew Stafford, as I'm sure you're going to be discussing. But the Seahawks are also going to have several players who weren't in that game in week one, including Devin Witherspoon, who will be on the field. So you're going to see both these teams at pretty close to full strength. The Seahawks have to find a way to take advantage of it because this is a huge game for their opportunity to try to win this division if they are not able to get it done and they trip up. This is going to be a really tough game for them to rebound from if they still want to try to win this division. Yeah, and as you mentioned, the Rams, they go up to Seattle week one. It was one of the more surprising week one wins. The Rams went 30 to 13, but it's a very different Seattle team, a very different Rams team since then. They really got in opposite directions. The, the Seahawks, you guys have really taken off Won six of your last eight games. The Rams, they've only won two games since then. So yeah, definitely it's two different teams at this point. The Rams have been dealing with injuries. Matthew Stafford gets banged up. Cooper Cup hasn't looked like the same receiver last few weeks. This team loses their starting running back in Kyron Williams, but it feels like with Devon Witherspoon and some of the upgrades you bring in Leonard Williams. I mean, this Seahawks team looks like it's trending in the right direction of late. 
Yeah, the game against Baltimore, you know, on the scoreboard, they got absolutely whacked a couple weeks ago. And so that was kind of a wake-up call. And at the same time, that was a game where you go back and you look, and it really was one of those snowball blowouts where it wasn't that big of a lead in the first half. The Seahawks had chances to make it close, and then things just kind of unraveled when they missed on a few opportunities. But last week, they were to bounce back against the Commanders team that I think is much better than their record shows. I think that was a really solid win for them to get. And, and really get back on the winning track. Now they've just got to be able to keep it going. And they last year were six and three at this time too. And then they hit a major skid and it nearly cost them making the playoffs. They can't do that this time around. They need more consistent play from Geno Smith. They need to lean on their run game a little bit more. And the defense has been pretty good for most of the last two months. Uh, but this is really going to be a big litmus test for them because Matthew Stafford has been one quarterback that has consistently had success against them. They have to show that they can get the job done on the defensive side of the football, particularly on the road. As I said, this is a crucial game for them if they want to win the NFC West. They need to show they can have some consistency on offense, which has been the one thing that's really been evading them this season. And they've had injuries in the offensive line. They're going to get a Lucas back maybe this week. I'm thinking it's going to be next week that he's going to be back in the game lineup. But they're feeling pretty good right now coming out of that Commanders game. But everything can change in a week as we see week in, week out in the NFL. And suddenly you can be like questioning this team again. They've got to go out and they got to play like they did last week, even better than last week on the road against the Rams. Or they can end up getting swept, which again would not bode well for them and their chances of winning this division. Yeah, you mentioned Geno Smith. You mentioned Matthew Stafford. I think that's really one of the top storylines in this game is which version of those quarterbacks are we going to see? Are we going to see Jets Geno? Are we going to see Seahawks Geno? Are we going to see a banged-up Matthew Stafford that had struggled to be even grip the football a couple weeks ago? He's coming back from a thumb injury. We know he's a warrior. As you mentioned, Stafford has had a lot of success against the Seahawks, especially as an L.A. Ram. He's 3-0 with three touchdowns and two interceptions, averaging 314.3 yards per game against Seattle. And you go back to Geno Smith. I mean, just you look at the difference with him under center when he's facing pressure versus when he's not facing pressure. Last week against the Commanders was pressured 22.4% of the time, put up 29 points. This season, when he's pressured more than 40% of the time, averaging 14.6 points per game. Do you think that's the biggest key as far as trying to keep him vertical? Because this is the Rams defense where you got Aaron Donald, five and a half sacks. He leads the team. You have a rookie, Byron Young. He's second behind him. He's been great this season. But this is not a Rams defensive line that gets a ton of pressure and gets to the quarterback. Yeah, I think that the pressure is definitely a big part of it. But I also think the Seahawks have not necessarily done what they need to do to help their quarterback either. And one of the about this, Doug, is they've got two really good running backs. And yet there have been games where they have just given up on the run after only rushing a couple times. And then they're just drop back, drop back, drop back. And that would not make any sense in most games, especially this one when Aaron Donald is still that one-man wrecking crew in the middle. They need to have their run game going. And I think if they are able to get Zach Charbonnet and Ken Walker III established with their complementary run styles and they stick with it, that has been the biggest issue with Shane Waldron this year. If the run game is going, you got to stick with it. If they can do that, get the play-action game, particularly under center off of it, Geno Smith's got a better chance to not be pressured, and he's got a better chance to really lean on his strengths 
and be able to air it out with the receivers the Seahawks have. So I look at the run game being the big X factor here. They've got to, they got to support their quarterback instead of saying, we're going to drop back 45 times with no running game behind an offensive line that's still missing starters. They need to be smart about how they support and complement their quarterback. And then I think he can play at top 10 level still. Yeah, Corbin, this is a Rams defense. They're giving up 4.3 yards per carry on the ground. You can't gash this defense, and that definitely, to me, is 100% one of the biggest keys this game. You see Zach Charbonnet, local product, UCLA kid. He's someone who's coming on of late. And Kenneth Walker, definitely one of the better running backs in the league. I absolutely think that's a major factor. And then you mentioned it earlier. You just can't. You can't not emphasize the matchup as far as the head coaches. Pete Carroll versus Sean McVay. Some coaches just have other coaches' numbers. Sean McVay, 9-5 and five against Pete Carroll. Even last year, without Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford, those games were closed. One had to go to overtime, right? So with the bye week, an extra week to really game plan for Pete Carroll, knowing that this season really is on the line. If you want any chance of making the playoffs and keep those hopes alive, you have to win. So that's definitely a major factor to me. Sean McVay versus Pete Carroll. Yeah, no question about it. And as you mentioned, these matchups between coaches, like up until last year, Kyle Shanahan couldn't hold a cup of tea with Pete Carroll in that particular matchup. And the 49ers last year won all three games. But Carroll has dominated that matchup for the most part. So you just never know. These divisional games are always crazy. And the Seahawks have had chances to beat the Rams earlier in games with McVay on the sidelines, and then they've they've messed up some opportunities. So, again, this is a game where I know the Rams' record's not very good, but these two teams know each other so well. The Seahawks cannot come in and play a flat game and expect that they're going to win on the road. They need to bring their A game to have a shot to win, especially against a team, as you said, the Rams. They're desperate. They want to get that fourth win and keep their slim playoff hopes alive. So there's a lot on the line for both teams. And I think that just makes it a more enticing matchup heading into this rematch on Sunday. 100%. Yeah, as you mentioned, some coaches have some coach numbers. You mentioned Kyle Shanahan. It's the NFC West circle of life. Kyle Shanahan owns Sean McVay. Sean McVay owns Pete Carroll. Everyone owns the Arizona Cardinals. We know how it goes in the NFC West. But yeah, you mentioned that by week two, the Rams just three and three after a bye since 2017. So the last season, they lost the 49ers 31 to 14, fall their week seven by. So hopefully the big key for the Rams, if you're a Rams fan out there, of course, is you're healthy. You're as healthy as you've been in weeks. Right tackle Rob Havenstein is going to be back. Ernest Jones, their best linebacker. That's a someone that's going to tackle and try to stop the run there, neutralize those running backs that we just mentioned. He's going to be back. Puka Nakua has been banged up a little bit. Sean McVay talked about him possibly not being at 100% for the remainder of the season. Those are some interesting thoughts there. So hopefully this Rams team is healthy. Seattle looking to avenge that loss. The Rams are going to keep their playoff hopes alive. It's going to be an exciting matchup on Sunday at SoFi. But coming up in our next segment, we've got the key matchups. They're going to determine this game. That's coming up next here on Locked on Rams and Locked on Seahawks. All right, so the game's going on, and it goes to halftime. It's the two-minute warning. It's over, and you're thinking, eh, you know, I don't have enough to eat in the house. I don't have enough to feed myself. Maybe some guys came over to hang out. This is where DoorDash comes in. This is why you have to have that DoorDash app on your phone so you can order your pizza, your wings, your soda, your burgers, even if you just forgot buns, right? Maybe you're making some dogs on the grill. You're like, oh, my gosh, I forgot the buns. Get on the DoorDash app and 
fix it, right? This is what it's there for. And you can get up to 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code LOCKED23. Subject to change in terms of apply. Or you think, you know what? I want to go to that local spot. Of course, there's the change. You can order your grocery stores and all that. But I love my Bistro K in my neighborhood. There's all sorts of things. There's wings. There's crab cakes. There's all this stuff that you can order from your local spots that you love the most. And you don't have to do anything other than open up that DoorDash app. Again, DoorDash app on your phone. Don't forget to use that code LOCK23 for 50% off up to a $10 value on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and spend $15 or more. Subject to chains, turns apply. And welcome back to Locked On Rams and Locked On Seahawks, a crossover edition. Shout out to the 12s out there for rocking with us every single day. And also special shout out to our everyday listeners for the Locked On Rams and Locked On Seahawks. And you guys can be an everyday listener too. It's 100% free. You just have to watch every episode, listen to every episode, and you won't miss a thing about your Los Angeles Rams or your Seattle Seahawks. Now, Corbin, next set, we're going to kind of get into the weeds on some of these matchups that could ultimately determine this game. And first guy I want to talk about is Devon Witherspoon and the rookie out of Illinois. This guy's a ball hawk, lines up on the outside, lines up on the slot. I mean, this is someone that has been an absolute stud in his rookie season. And what makes it even more impressive is he missed most of training camp, right? I was doing that hamstring injury and he just hasn't missed a beat. So very impressed with him. Yeah, you're just outlining the matchup that it truly is the get-your-popcorn-ready matchup going into this game. Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, Tutu Atwell going up against Devin Witherspoon, Reek Woolen, and Trey Brown with really the slot matchup. Witherspoon going up against Cup and Nakua. That is the matchup that I have circled going into this game. It's weird because... Almost every time the Seahawks and Rams get together, it's dealing with number 99 that usually at the top of my list. But in this particular rematch, I'm really excited to see how Devin Witherspoon handles this matchup because they didn't have him in week one. He didn't make his debut until week two because of that hamstring injury that you mentioned. And all he's done ever since he came into the lineup has just been Seattle's best player on defense and arguably their best player on the roster. He is already that good. This guy can impact the game in any way, shape, or form. He can blitz as well as any corner in the league. He is a physical run-stuffing corner that comes up and smacks people. He is able to cover fast, speedy receivers. He could cover big, tall, athletic receivers. He is a ball hawk. I mean, he can do it all. The only time he gets in trouble is when he gets a little too overly aggressive. But the Seahawks will take those mistakes with some of the big plays that he's able to make doing that extremely instinctive, But now he's going to get that test against two receivers in the slot that have that big size, that are crafty route runners, that are also very instinctive, can create after the catch. And so this is, again, I use the words litmus test a lot, but this is a good litmus test for the rookie who has performed well already against some really good players this year. Jamar Chase, he basically shut down in Cincinnati but this is just another test dealing with two really good receivers. And especially Puka Nakua, who had that big game in his debut in week one, he was able to do that without Witherspoon on the other side. How much of an impact does Witherspoon have there? And I think it's also worth noting, Doug, that Reek Woolen was coming off knee surgery, and week one was really the first full game that he had played in. He just didn't look right the first month or so. He's coming off a game, though, where he played excellent coverage against a very underrated commander's receiving core, shut those guys down. So I'm curious to see what he looks like in this game because he just didn't look quite right in that first matchup. The 
Uh, Seahawks also had Trey Brown in the lineup, and he was making his first start in a while. So this is secondary that feels like is really coming together around Devin Witherspoon, Rick Woolen, and so this really is the strength on strength matchup that everybody should be watching closely going into this game. Yeah, absolutely. As you mentioned, week one lies, right? And you saw you missed the tackles. Devin Witherspoon didn't play in that game. But at the end of the day, they really had no answer for Matthew Stafford. He lit it up through the air. I think there's a chance it happens once again. But, yeah, we didn't see that week one. Cooper Cup was out. Devin Witherspoon was out. Witherspoon has emerged as one of the best rookies in the sport. You look at his production this year, he's allowed just 22 catches on 46 targets. What I love about him is he can match up with anyone on the field, the slot on the outside. So very intriguing. Also, speaking of rookies, one of the big keys for me in this game is let's not – be the Jackson Smith and Jigba coming out party. I don't want to see the Jackson Smith and Jigba coming out party at SoFi Stadium. And the matchup I'm looking at there is Quinn Lake versus JSN. And Quinn Lake, just to get you up to speed, he's taken over as the Rams' primary slot corner with Kobe Durant moving to the outside because they've essentially benched Darian Kendrick, right? So with that, Smith and Jigbo has got the speed advantage. It's somewhat of a mismatch. There's no doubt about that. But Lake, great instincts. Hopefully he is able to neutralize him. But I think that's definitely a matchup that the Seahawks are going to look to exploit. I also am looking at the tight ends because the Rams have had a lot of issues with tight ends this year. And this has been my one real issue with Shane Waldron, aside from not sticking with the run game, is it just feels like the pass-catching ability of the tight ends for the Seahawks has not been maximized. And some of it's because you've got so many star receivers that you're trying to get them the football. There's only one football out there, but Noah Fant, I'm looking at him in this game and thinking this could be a game where he kind of goes off a little bit because the Rams have had their issues defending tight ends, particularly athletic ones that could stretch the field like Noah Fant. And you mentioned JSN. If the Rams are trying to deal with him in the slot and they've got to worry about DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett on the outside. Like Noah Fan is going to get a lot of prime one-on-one matchups against safeties and linebackers. And so I look at the tight ends being that sneaky group. It shouldn't be sneaky, but it's a sneaky group because the Seahawks haven't thrown the ball to these guys very much. But they should be leaning on that group. And last year, Geno Smith had a lot of success against this Rams defense targeting tight ends. I think that has to be a focal point in the game plan this week against this Rams defense. Yeah, let me ask you, Corbin, too. We look at JSN this year, I think as high as 63 yards in a game. It feels like he's getting more involved. Does it feel like he is ready to pop? Yeah, I think the last month he's been fantastic. And really last week, and maybe this was just because of who they were playing, the commander's defense is not good. But this was the first game where all three of the stud receivers had at least 50 receiving yards. It had not happened in a game, and they were able to get DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett close to 100 yards. They had a good game from Jackson Smith and Jigba. 258 yards after the catch, the second most in the NFL in a game this season. Can they carry that over against a Rams team that's in the top five in the league and missed tackles? That is something that I think is worth watching here. Can they create those yards after the catch? And JSN's been a big part of that. That's really evolving this offense. They just got to continue using him in the right way. That has been the biggest issue is just trying to maximize his strengths scheme-wise so that you can get him in positions he can create. Yeah, it's just one thing you love about the NFL, right? What if I told you before the season that Puka Nakua would have 827 
receiving yards sitting right there in the top five. The NFL have 64 receptions already breaking Cooper cups franchise record for rookie at 62 heading into week 11. But yeah, talent wise moving forward, you got to respect JSN. Like I said, that's a matchup I'm looking at another match. I'm looking at, of course, you got to start with this. And we talked about this in week one, Akella Witherspoon versus DK Metcalf. These guys have a history dating all the way back to the 49ers versus the Seahawks. Akella Witherspoon. He's got the size. Does he have the speed? He's definitely trended in the wrong direction for the last couple of weeks. This Rams secondary, they've really struggled, averaging a allowing a rating of over 109. So that's definitely an area that you can exploit. But if you look at that week one matchup, allowed just two catches on three targets for 33 yards. One of those was on a 28-yard reception. So it's going to be very interesting to see if Akella Witherspoon can bounce back and look more like that cornerback that was looking like one of the best steals, one of the best free agent steals in the offseason or the one we've seen the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's weird when you look back at week one, Doug, because that is a matchup that, honestly, Metcalf has had issues with Witherspoon in the past, getting open against him. Even in San Francisco when he struggled, it was always a good matchup for Witherspoon. At the same time, I saw these guys in the practice field against each other because Witherspoon had a cup of tea in Seattle during training camp a few years back, and Metcalf dominated him. So it feels like if the Seahawks can just get Geno Smith some opportunities to take shots downfield, and that's going to boil down to the pass protection, making sure Aaron Donald isn't single-handedly wrecking things. But if they are able to get the run game going and slow down that pass rush a little bit, get some play-action opportunities, DK Metcalf had his best game of the season last week, and I feel like he's starting to get healthy. He's been playing through hip injury. So I think that this is a matchup where Metcalf's going to be looking back at week one like, they're not doing that to me again. So that is going to be fun to watch. And as far as one other matchup for me, I really want to see what happens with the Rams tackles. I know Havenstein is coming back from that calf injury, but boy, Mafe is playing like an all pro right now. And he is mostly going to be playing off the right side. So Allard Jackson, who leads the Rams in pressures allowed, he's only given up one sack, but this is going to be a test for him going up against a former big 10 rival. That is a matchup. I could see working in Seattle's favor with Mafe. And then the other side, Daryl Taylor, Derek Hall, they're playing Draymond Jones at end, and he's doing pretty well doing that at 280 pounds. So that's a little different matchup that Rob Havenstein's going to have to deal with. So that is a matchup that could really dictate this game. If the Rams can protect the edge, that's going to give Matthew Stafford the chance to get those downfield crossers, some of the big plays. But if the edge rush shows up, it wasn't there in week one. If it shows up and they're able to collapse the pocket, then that severely impacts the Rams' ability to test a secondary that's already pretty darn tough to throw against. That could easily be the biggest key of the game. Because look at this Rams offensive line towards the bottom in the NFL, currently ranked 26 in pass blocking efficiency, 116 total pressures of the year, 14 sacks on 350 dropbacks. The big key to week one, Matthew Stafford was clean. He did not get sacked once. And when you consider the fact that he's banged up, not 100%, if you can get to Matthew Stafford and make his life hell, is going to definitely really bode well for that Seahawks defense. So yeah, that definitely is a massive, massive, massive key to this game. But coming up next, we got some predictions, some more key matchups, some more big factions of this one. That's coming up next here on this crossover edition of Locked on Rams and Locked on Seahawks.
So we spent a lot of time talking together here on the pod. We get fired up together on wins and we kind of, you know, commiserate together on losses, who starts these games, who sits these games out. And I'm very grateful for the connection that everybody has here on the pod with DMAC and myself. And today I want our chat to be a little bit more personal. I just learned that you can get a one-year supply on ED medications, right? You realize what that means. Being on extended travel, being on a natural disaster or supply chain, you're covered, right? You don't have to worry about whether or not you can refill your generics for Cialis, Viagra, uh, Revitio prescriptions, all this possible because of our friends at Jace Medical. And you can go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. But you got to remember to use that promo code locked on at checkout for your discount as well. A verified customer had this to say about Jace. I am thankful for this service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut pills in half in order to have it. I ordered most of my daily meds with a year supply. Also ordered an antibiotic kit. And now I feel secure. Prices are lower than local pharmacies. And I highly recommend this for everybody. So if you or someone you love would like to get peace of mind by having a year supply of any daily medication, you can go to jacemedical.com. Excuse me, let me say that again, jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember to use your promo code locked on for $20 off your purchase. Again, that's jacemedical.com, J A S E medical.com. And welcome back to Locked On Rams and Locked On Seahawks, your daily podcast covering your favorite football team. Shout out to the 12. Shout out to Rams fans out there. Shout out to the Ramley. So, Corbin, let's talk about some predictions. I know you're not going to drop your score prediction. Right? We're going to hold that until Friday, right? But as far yeah. as the path to victory for your Seahawks in this game, I think for me, it comes down to can the Rams get pressure? Do the Rams protect Matthew Stafford. Do you get a bounce back performance from Cooper Cub, who's had two really downed weeks by his standards? Does Puka Nakua pick up where he left off and continue to produce? Does the Rams get anything on the ground? And also, how does a desperate Rams team play? Does this Rams team truly want to make the postseason? Do they truly want to get to the playoffs? I think they do. And I think they realize that Seahawks at home, yes, really good team, but a team that you can beat. Yeah, I look at this game, and I know that it's going to sound cliche, but the Seahawks just, they can't beat themselves. And that's what they did in week one when they were in the lead at the end of the first half. I actually thought the first two quarters, Seattle played pretty well, and I liked the game plan they had. And then the Rams made some adjustments. The Seahawks did not adjust back to those adjustments, and the offense couldn't get anything going in the second half. So I think you go into this game, the first key to me, Run the damn football. They need to get downhill with Ken Walker III and Zach Charbonnet, and they need to get those guys established. No five carries apiece. They need to get at least double-digit carries for Ken Walker III. And I can make an argument double-digit carries for both because Charbonnet has been running really well, and I think his between-the-tackles, no-nonsense style actually might be better against this Rams defense than Ken Walker III, his elusiveness and his explosiveness. This is a team where I think if you punch the Rams in the mouth a little bit, that you can start to get some big plays in the passing game. So Charbonnet is somebody to lean on, get that play action going. And then on defense, you mentioned this in the last segment. Matthew Stafford, he could have been sitting on a recliner and chilling <laughs> back there for five or six seconds for most of the dropbacks that he had in week one. 
But this pass rush for Seattle has been much different ever since that game. They have been one of the best pass rushes in the NFL since week two. And a big part of that's been Boy Mafe's ascent to stardom. And I, again, am looking at him and going against Alaric Jackson off the right side. And I feel like that is a match that the Seahawks absolutely have to take advantage of. And in the interior, even Leonard Williams now coming in. He had his first sack as a Seahawk last week. They've got Jaron Reed. Tremont Jones can play inside and out. And he's starting to come on. All the pieces they've got in that defensive line and off the edge, even without Uchenna Nuoso, who's out for the season, this feels like a matchup that the Seahawks have got to win. If they can disrupt Matthew Stafford, they can stop the run against this Rams team that has not ran the football very well most of the year anyway, and they've got injuries back there. You put the ball in Matthew Stafford's court and you are collapsing the pocket consistently with Devin Witherspoon now being healthy, Reek Woolen playing at his best, Jamal Adams being out there playing well for the most part. This is a defense that is catered well. If they can get some pressure, they can create turnovers. And Stafford has thrown a lot of interceptions since that week one game. Almost the same number of touchdowns and interceptions for the season. So speed that clock up for him and get that pocket collapsed. He's still got that gunslinger mentality at times. And the Seahawks have the secondary players and even the linebackers to make him pay for that. So to me, it all boils down to having that complimentary rushing game on offense to help Geno Smith out, open up some of those play action plays and on defense, get after Matthew Stafford, find a way to get some pressures. They couldn't do that week one. And he's a really good quarterback. If you let him sit back there, he's going to pick you apart. They've got to be able to get pressure on him and force the issue. Turn up the heat. some. I agree. And that's something that is my biggest concern. That is my biggest concern for this game is keeping Matthew Stafford vertical. When I wake up at three 30 in the morning in a cold sweat, I'm having nightmares. That's what it is. You don't want to see Matthew Stafford on the turf at SoFi stadium. Also another matchup I'm looking at too, Byron young versus cross and, trying to get to the trying to get to the quarterback on the other side. And then Avila versus Reed is another one I'm focused on as well. So yeah, if you can find a way to just keep Stafford upright, allow him to push the ball down the field, get Cooper cup and Puka Nakua involved. I feel good about this Rams team's chances, but if he's on the ground, if he gets banged up, we could see Carson Wentz, something like that. It could get ugly quick at SoFi. Another thing I'm looking at too is pay close attention on third down. Seahawks rank 30th in third down offense and defense. They're converting on 31.5% of their third down attempts this season. That's the third worst in the NFL defensively. They're along the third verse at 45.5%. The Rams are a pretty solid third down team. So that really is going to be one of the determining factors in this one. Who has success on third down? Yeah, I'm glad that you pointed that out because that has been an issue for the Seahawks all year long. And it just feels like if they could just be a little bit more efficient on third down on both sides, that this team would probably only have one or two losses right now. That has really been the difference in the games they've lost. They were really bad on third down in that second half against the Rams in week one. So that has been the one consistent issue on offense. And I don't think they've helped themselves by not leaning enough on the run game. That has been part of the equation here. And they're getting into situations where they're third and eight, third and nine, when they could have ran the ball on early downs and maybe they have a more favorable third down opportunity. So a lot of this stuff, it all goes together. The dominoes fall. They have got to be a little bit better on third down on both sides of the football. I would argue on defense is a bigger deal this week. They have got to get off the field. Don't let the Rams have long extended possessions. 
and Matthew Stafford have a bunch of opportunities to drop back and throw comfortably. They've got to get some quick stops, get some punts, get the ball back to your offense, and see that Geno Smith can get some decent starting field position. I'm trying to get off to a fast start. I think that's another key here for this team. Get off to a fast start offensively, create a turnover, get some quick stops, and then you like your chances. But I think you and I would both agree that even with these teams going in different directions, record-wise, the way they're playing, uh, I would expect that this is going to be a barn burner at SoFi. Always, always. Between these two, always expect a close, hotly contested game. I think this Rams team, they realize their season's on the line. My Rams fans out for the Ramley, the light in the darkness is that there is still hope for the playoffs, a 14% chance. If the Rams just beat the teams on their schedule, they have losing records, and one that's the backup quarterback now with the Browns, if you find a way to beat the Seahawks and the Saints, you can find a way to get in the playoffs and finish nine and eight. So that really is the path to the postseason for the Rams. It starts with a win this Sunday against the Seahawks. I'm not going to throw out my prediction, but I do think the Rams have a really good shot to win this one. I think it's going to be close. I think they're going to find a way to keep this one interesting. If you execute in the second half and you play four quarters of quality football, like we saw in week one, I think there's a really good chance they win this game and keep their season alive. Yeah, I think that the Seahawks have a really good chance to come out on top of this game, but it's going to be close because these two teams, when they go against each other, I mean, I was shocked that week one ended up being as lopsided as it was. And and it wasn't that way until the second half. Things just fell apart for the Seahawks. But I think Seattle, their players are going to have a bad taste in their mouth still from that week one game. They have been talking about it for weeks like that was just out of character the way they played in that second half. And Pete Carroll was not happy about the way they whacked their finish in that game. So that is something that is going to be emphasized in this game. I'm curious to see how that manifests on the field in this rematch. But either way, I'm expecting this to be, like usual, a close NFC West slugfest. All right, real quick, Corey, what's your favorite Seahawks uniform combination? I like the navy tops with the gray pants. I like the, the uh, action green tops with the navy pants. That's fire. That's fire, man. I like that Baldwin jersey behind you, man. Good stuff. But uh, <laughs> that's going to do it for this crossover edition of Locked On Rams and Locked On Seahawks. Thanks as always, guys. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on X and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. And you can follow Mr. Corbin Smith NFL at Corbin Smith NFL. See you guys Sunday.